Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here with you and with everyone watching at home or on holiday, wherever you might be. Uh, my name's Helen Jackson. I've been coming to St. Barnabas for 23 years with uh, my husband, Tim. Oh, uh, well, no, oh, spontaneous applause in just a moment. Um, I've just finished training as a pioneer lay minister at Ridley. Thank you, thank you, good. Glad to know you're all with us. Um, so today we are going to resume our series on equipped in the way, equipping ourselves on our journey as disciples of Jesus. And today we're looking particularly at the story of Zacchaeus. Um, this story might seem like a fairly inconsequential interlude. We've been going through Luke's gospel all year. I mean, we kind of get what Jesus is about. Do we really need, do we really need this? Um, but when you start to unpack this story, uh, it, it's amazingly countercultural, and Jesus continues to surprise us again and again. So let's pray, and then I'll read the passage. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to listen to your word this morning. Encourage, sustain, and equip us as we seek to walk with you this day and every day. In your name, amen. And so we're looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. So that last sentence, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If you hear nothing else today, that is the thing to ponder over this next week. But hopefully you will stay with us. If we think back to the start of Jesus' ministry, in Luke chapter 4, he sets out a very clear manifesto from Isaiah. He's come to proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. But this story seems to fly in the face of that. It opens with Jesus passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, and there are crowds of the faithful following him. 
all the good people are there. But when Zacchaeus comes on the scene as a chief tax collector, you think, oh, sit back, he's really got it coming. Jews who collected taxes for the Romans were seen as collaborators. They were in the pocket of the occupying force and they could do whatever they wanted. They could add whatever they wanted to the amount of tax they were demanding to reward themselves for their time and trouble. And to be a chief tax collector was about as bad as it could get. So this is the arch villain of the gospel. Jesus came to free the oppressed, and this man was the ultimate oppressor. Surely, Jesus is bringing bad news for Zacchaeus. Now, we're told that Zacchaeus is small in stature. He can't see over the crowd, and it's clear that people despised him. They weren't going to make him welcome. They weren't going to move aside to let him see. So this wealthy and powerful man runs ahead to climb a sycamore tree with big leaves that he could hide in and still see Jesus. When you think about it, it's incredibly undignified. And we can kind of imagine that he's hidden there, trying to see Jesus, but without moving the leaves so that nobody knows he's there. And Jesus could just have walked past. He was trying to get on to Jerusalem, but he stops and calls him. Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus, knowing that he now has the protection of Jesus, comes straight down and faces the crowd. Jesus knows that the crowd is hostile to Zacchaeus. And by reaching out to him so graciously and generously, he frees Zacchaeus from that hostility and he takes it on himself. The crowd is not happy, and they mutter. We love to mutter as Christians, don't we? If we think things are not quite right or we're being asked to change something, we like a good mutter. But Jesus, who one minute is passing through Jericho without stopping, suddenly has time to spend the night with the person that they all despise. They do not like it at all. But the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I'd like to spend a few minutes just thinking about what that means for us today. What does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be saved? Can we expect people to be as eager to be found as Zacchaeus? So how even was Zacchaeus lost? As we've read through Luke's gospel, we've seen Jesus reaching out to people in all sorts of situations of need, where anyone is going to say, thank you, Jesus, I don't mind if I do. I'd like to be rescued from demons. I want to be healed. I would like my loved one to be raised from the dead. But Zacchaeus potentially had everything you could wish for. He seemed healthy and wealthy. He could buy whatever he wanted. But clearly, he was lost. His wealth had come from exploiting others. He was despised in the community. He dug himself so far into the hole, he couldn't see any way out. He was desperate to see Jesus, just in case Jesus really could help him, could save him. And he does. From what we gather, 
There's no preaching. There's no demand for repentance. There's just grace, a reaching out by Jesus and met with joy by Zacchaeus. For Zacchaeus, salvation meant being loved, being accepted as he was. And his response to that was to make this incredible commitment to give away half his wealth to the poor and repay anyone he had defrauded four times over. It's food for thought, isn't it, that by meeting the oppressor with grace rather than anger, Jesus brought him freedom and freedom and provision to the people he'd been oppressing. So, if Jesus came to seek and save the lost, who did he mean by the lost? It's not as if there are Christians, uh, there are people who are lost, and then there are people who are just fine and they don't really need God. To God, everyone is lost. We're all lost until we are found by God. But not everyone recognizes that or wants to be found. That lostness can manifest itself in different ways for all of us. It's not at all uh, always about sin and repentance. Zacchaeus was corrupt and he was an outcast. Jesus brought him acceptance. And once he'd received that, then everything else followed. On the Alpha course, there's a refrain that's repeated frequently. Jesus takes care of the bad stuff, the things that make us unhappy, the uncertainties, the weaknesses, the self-doubt, the loneliness, the despair. He offers love, transformation, new life, and a fresh horizon of hope. So while Zacchaeus might have been lost, what I love about this story is Zacchaeus' eagerness to be found by Jesus, to give his life to him. Now, obviously, we don't think anyone is going to feel like that today. We tend to think that sharing our faith is something that's really difficult, where we have to be able to debate people into the kingdom. But we can't know where anyone stands with Jesus, with what has gone before. Whatever happens with people coming to Jesus, it's never about what we do. It's thankfully about the work of the Holy Spirit. And many of you will have been here watching at Pentecost when uh, the wonderful Joanna, who's here this morning, was baptized so joyfully. Um, When I met Joanna and told her that I came to St. Barnabas, she said, that's great, I want to be a Christian. So um, I I sent her the link to the church website, um, and and Joanna has very kindly allowed me to share with you the exchange that then followed on WhatsApp. Andrew, if you can put those up, Uh, it might be a bit small, so I'll read it out. Uh, so I seem to just send her the link without any, any kind of invitation. Um, but after about three hours I, uh, of, of debate and prayer and wondering if I was being too passive-aggressive or uh, pushy, I said, oh, maybe we can see one another in church. 
And, um, and then obviously, I just turn my phone off and go and hide. Um, but, but meanwhile, Joanna has come back and said, that would be lovely, I can't wait. My goal is to build a relationship with God and hopefully be baptized by the end of this year. Isn't that fantastic? Um, of course, I had turned my phone off, and uh, so I picked this up when I was going to bed at 10 to 11 that night um, and thought, oh, I don't think I've done this very well. Uh, so I desperately said, oh, uh, that would be wonderful. I want to be there. Have you thought of doing the Alpha course? That's 2248. 2249, hi, Helen, that would be lovely. Is the course information on the church website? Um, and then I go say, oh, yes, it's on the page, front page. There's a big red question mark. And then um, I do a big plug about how great the Bevans are, but obviously I cut that bit out. Um, uh, and then um, Joanna comes straight back. I found it. It's on every Monday. I'm going to sign up now. That's it done. Thanks, Helen. I mean, I was, I was just blown away by that. Um, in fact, let's just give it up for, to Joanna for being so gracious about letting us watch that. Um, now, obviously, that wasn't actually the start of Joanna's journey to faith, but I didn't know that. God had been working in her life for months through different people. God was reaching out to her, wanting her to be found. We never do know where people are on their spiritual journey. We agonize about persuading people to be Christians by the power of our theological rhetoric. And we regret that the only thing that really happens is that people meet with God and accept God into their lives. These are extraordinary times and many people are exploring faith for the first time. Research by Durham University suggests that one in four people have regularly engaged in online worship of some, time, of some kind during the lockdowns. Half, 50% of the country's young adults, 18 to 34, said that during the later lockdown, they regularly engaged in online faith-related activity, including regular prayer, and regular engagement with online worship. It's really amazing what happens when we have to leave the building. It's almost as if normally we're the ones hiding in the sycamore tree and the world is moving by outside. I heard an expression this week that we live in church, but God lives out in the wild, meeting people with his grace. And while the churches have been closed, we've been forced out into the wild, forced to leave the safety of the enclosure to the internet where anyone can join with us from their sofa. But even then, even though Joanna really wanted to know Jesus, we didn't meet in church. Zacchaeus wasn't in church. The search for God rarely begins in a church building. And that's why we need to be outside making connections, being God's hands and feet as he reaches out to those who want to be found. So if you're here this morning or watching this and you don't yet know Jesus, then maybe the very fact that you're listening to this is part of your journey 
but God is working in your life. He knows the things in your life that are dragging you down, closing things off, making you feel lost. And he wants to free you from those things, to give you that possibility of new life, that horizon of hope. And if you think that might be you, then if you're here, please come and talk to me and David or any of the hosting team at the end. If you're watching online, please do connect with us through the prayer button or get in touch, touch with the church if you're watching later on. We would love to be part of your journey. I want to close with a word of encouragement for those of us who've been Christians for a while. It feels at the moment at the, as if we're coming to the end of a summer term which has lasted at least 10 years. Even as I see that excitement and passion of Zacchaeus and Joanna, that desire to know Jesus, there's a little voice at the back of my mind saying, uh, could you just remind me about that again? I forget what it's like to be without faith and what a powerful difference faith makes. Everything, this whole church thing, starts to feel like it's a big project of our own that we have to keep going. And sometimes it makes me want to go and hide in a sycamore tree for a very long time. But having looked at the beginning of John 15 last week with Anne, I found myself reading on and came to these verses which really resonate with this idea of being found. It's John 15, uh, verses 16 and 17, but don't, you don't need to look it up. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. You did not choose me, but I chose you. This is God's plan. Our faith and the fruit we see as Christians is always the result of God's Holy Spirit at work. And we can rest in that knowledge. And we have too the reminder that Jesus gives us that promise, that real assurance of fruitfulness, that horizon of hope that the world cannot give. The command is not to teach, to debate, to organize, to mutter, to judge, but simply to love one another. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Amen.